Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Dustin Jones. Welcome to Just Another White Guys Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the program today. We're going to get into uh, part four of the conversation with my dad, Brian. Uh, thank you for uh, all the support that you've shown during these uh, last few episodes. I know my dad appreciates uh, the support that we've been getting for the shows. I don't think he believed anyone would actually listen to what he has to say. But thankfully, you, the joggers, have been able to prove him wrong on that, showing great numbers of support for the shows. One thing I wanted to get into before we get into that conversation today, uh, as you may know, uh, there's a story that's been making its rounds on social media about a young uh, boy named Danny Nickerson in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Danny turned six this last weekend. His birthday was July 25th, a fellow Leo. Uh, always got to love the uh, the fellow Leos. I'm a Leo. My mom's Leo. My little sister Natalie was a Leo. Uh, and unfortunately, that is not the only thing um, that uh, Danny and my sister Natalie shared in, in common. Uh, in fact, uh, Danny um, was recently diagnosed with the uh, same inoperable brain tumor that my sister Natalie uh, passed away from. Uh, DIPG, um, which is a brain tumor in the brainstem. I'm sure uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably well aware of uh, Natalie's story. Um, the story making the rounds on social media was that uh, Danny um, had come of the age where he started to recognize seeing his name on packages and cards and things like that. And that was something that really made him smile. I, I think back to being a kid at that age, you go to the mailbox, it's always, you know, your mom or your dad or um, you know someone else's name on those packages and when you start to see things coming in your name um, you get really excited about that Danny uh, felt the same way and was uh, getting excited when he would see something show up in his name and, and had said um, that all he really wanted for Christmas was uh, or for Christmas for his birthday were folks to send him um, you know cards with his name on it and so his parents set up a P.O. box and uh, the story made uh, local headlines uh, before being picked up nationally and uh, circulated through social media. Um, I'm happy to report, if, if you haven't been following the story, um, that uh, this message uh, made it out, and over 100,000 cards, packages, letters, uh, and shows of support have made their way to Danny in Foxborough, Massachusetts, uh, making his sixth birthday uh, one that uh, certainly uh, will be remembered for uh, his family uh, and for him. Uh, he also was able to uh, take part in a surprise birthday party that was put together by a uh, local organization and was invited to New England Patriots uh, football uh, training camp uh, as a guest of owner Bob Kraft. So uh, a very successful birthday party for uh, Danny Nickerson. It really is nice to see when people can uh, come together and, and show support for uh, a sick kid who just really wants a card that... Uh, that uh, has his name on it and shows him um, some birthday love. I was able to get a few cards out to him, had my coworker sign a few. I know Nikki did as well. And I want to thank those of you I know that posted on my Facebook page that were also sending cards and letters, um, even having your kids draw pictures for Danny. I thought that was really great. Um, just really is uh, a testament to uh, all that we can accomplish good in this world um, when we focus on on the positive things. And, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I know my sister would have been in support of something like this uh, if she were around, and I know my dad uh, was in favor of that. Uh, speaking of my dad, let's get into the conversation. Part four 
of my conversation with my dad. Going to be the final installment of the uh, the conversation at this point. Uh, we don't get all the way through his story. Um, in fact, we only get up to 1997, um, which is when uh, they find out uh, that they're going to have Natalie. Uh, but I can assure you we'll have him back for the continuation of the story. We On Father's Day weekend when he was here, uh, our conversation went till about 2 in the morning. He had to leave the next day. So that's where we had to stop. But that'll just leave us with more things to talk about in the future. So without further ado, part four of the conversation with my dad, Brian Jones, right here on Just Another White Guys podcast. You know, divorce is, is such a weird thing. And it's it's a conversation that Nikki and I have a lot because there's not really any divorce in her family. Right. Like, no one's divorced. Right. And... On my side of the family, pretty much everybody's divorced. <laughs> Kim and Darby are still married. Right. That's about it. You know, and that's trickled down to to us kids. I mean, Heather hasn't been married, but right. I mean She was in a long term relationship. Right. But it's just it's just interesting. And sometimes and she's the she's the eternal optimist, you know. She she does she thinks there's no relationship that can't be fixed and right. those sorts of things and right. And you know, there's there's some people that just after a while they just need to go their separate ways. Well, I mean, it takes work. So how did how did the divorce affect you in terms of was it real hard to not be around us all the time? Yeah, I did not like not being with my kids. I mean, that that made the you know with with the business. I mean, with me being gone was hard enough, and then to you know be away made it harder you know because it always looks like oh yeah well he had it really easy he was gone he's out doing you know whatever whatever, right whatever when you know that wasn't true and when i was in first part in eastern montana or western montana you know it was it could be home every 10 days or be home every two weeks but then when we went to eastern montana you know it was a 20-hour drive 21-hour drive we were only supposed to be there for six weeks and ended up being there six months. You know, it made it harder, you know. Um, and I didn't like it, you know. I did not like being away. But, I mean, you know, you use the phone and you do, you know, the best that you can. But, I mean, yeah, it sucked. It was hard. And going back to the accident, you after the accident, you stopped drinking, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, you were. A, I never had a drink after that. So it was about eight years, seven years, seven and a half years. Yeah. And was it starting back to drinking? Was that spurned on by the fact that sure the, all the changes and yeah, I mean there was just you know there was just a chain of events that happened with business with you know uh, just a lot of different things and I was clear away from home and and I just said screw it one day and started again and yeah in the back of your mind I didn't care what happened drink myself to death didn't really matter long ways away nobody knows nobody cares yeah you get to you know when like i said that whole thing on the outside things look good you know but on the inside you know you just tore up so yeah it was just easier just to start drinking again and and i knew once i started again i wouldn't quit so it's pretty much it so yeah i did really good started right where i left off you know and how long, how long did you, how long were you drinking? 
Um, probably heavy. I mean, to the, you know, I mean, yeah, heavy, heavy, probably for about six months, seven months. So is it like work to the bar, oh, bed, yeah. work? Um, no, it was get up in the morning, have a little bit, go to work, go eat breakfast, go to work, get done, go to the bar, go home, eat, go to bed, drink. Yeah. Was I that- mean, was I a falling down drunk? No. No. I mean, I had my nights. I mean, I had a lot of fun, too. But I mean, it, it, no, I mean, I just, We're a family. I, didn't, I didn't care. We're a family of functional alcoholics. Yeah. I mean, I didn't care. I mean, I just didn't care. I mean, yeah. people used to say, God, how could you drink that Jack Daniels? That was easy. Bottles didn't roll around under the seat. They were square. The, um, that six months that you were in Montana, was that, was that the six months... During that six months, was that when I came to visit, or was that a different time? Was that no, you came you... to visit right after I went to Coal Strip. I mean, I'd been in Western Montana by Kalispell, right? And then when we, when then when we went to uh, Coal Strip, then yeah, you came out for what a week or ten days there in the summer. Yeah, was that? But that was that that job. That job was supposed to be six weeks, and it lasted six months, right. or was that a different? No, no, that was it. That was it. Yeah. So I mean, and it was even longer than six months that we were there. But I mean, I mean, that was in July. I can't remember exactly. I think I started drinking not too long after you went home. Yeah. And then, it, I mean, I had, yeah, so October, November, December, January, February, March. Yeah, I drank pretty, pretty good. Like I said, I didn't care, you know. So I, was met, a, I met Janelle. So it was my fault? Yeah, it was your fault. Yeah, I you came did. and visited. And yeah, and you just stirred you just, up everything and yeah, blame you. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it wasn't a, a, a fall down thing, but yeah, I drank pretty, but I also worked hard. So I mean, right. I, but I mean, that doesn't make any difference. It's no. just, it's, um, yeah, it was just to kill a lot of, a lot of stuff that I hadn't, you know, dealt with, you know, I mean, mom dying, my accident, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, divorce. Did you ever, did you ever consider going to like therapy or anything like that? No, no. <laughs> And, you know, and the only thing I knew about AA was that they used to have AA meetings there at the Gates Community Church because they'd leave their cigarette butts outside. And I remember picking them up on Sunday mornings and stuff, even though I smoked, you know, I mean, I'd pick them up. And yeah. That's pretty. And then it was court ordered. I didn't know. I was ignorant to what AA was. I mean, you just didn't talk about it. Didn't talk about it. Nobody talked to me about you were court or a, you got court ordered. No, to go to, I never got court ordered to go to oh. AA. But I'm just saying that, I mean, that there's people that do get court ordered. Right. Okay. So, I gotcha. <clears throat> um, and then there's people that go. But I mean, I never, when I quit the first time, I didn't know anything about AA. Just didn't know about it. Didn't talk about it. You know? Um, so yeah, I quit white knuckle, you know? Um, and then when I started again, you know, it was like, wow, holy smokes. But luckily I was, I found somebody who came into my life and said, Hey, when you're ready. Cause Janelle, cause Janelle would go, cause she lived in Coal Strip, but she would go out to the bars and stuff just to go have fun and go oh, dancing yeah. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Cause that was one of the hopping places to go. Oh, in yeah. town. I mean, she loves music. And I mean, when there was music in town or something, you know, I mean, yeah, she even would uh, bartender wait tables, you know, I mean, she she loved music. She loved to dance. And I mean, hey, they got music there. It was hopping and make a few bucks and have some fun, listen to music. And then, yeah, I mean, and there was a live band there that night. And I mean, I'd seen her in town running. 
So, I mean, I knew who she was. Went into the bar one night by myself. And they had music, and we've been together ever since. She just wanted to put me on her dance card. And, right. And so, like I said, we've been together. We've been dancing ever since. But early on in our relationship, because, I mean, I didn't change. I mean, I'd still work, and then we'd go to the bar and sit there and and eat and drink. And she'd come in and say, well, I'm going out to play volleyball or I'm doing this. You know, maybe we can go out to eat afterwards. And yeah, you know and I mean? And it just, but I mean, she she believed in the part of my life story that I'd shared with her in probably my drunken talk was that I'd been sober for seven years. And I mean, she knew why I quit drinking the first time and she knew, you know, my sadness and she knew because I, you know, I felt comfortable. I mean, didn't have nothing to lose. And she sat right by me. She never once said, you need to quit. You know, I can't do this, you know, because I mean, she'd been sober. She'd been sober for eight years, nine years. So, well, she was smart enough to know that if you, she told you to stop, you just would have left. You know, you well, know. yeah. Or, you know, she just she just had that faith. She just knew that she believed in me. She believed in something. And um, because, I mean, her friends were saying, Janelle, you're playing with fire. You know, I mean, they'd come down to the bar to meet this white guy that she's hanging out with, you know. And they'd say, you, you need to be careful. I mean, because she'd been sober for... So. They were they were worried that oh, she yeah. was going to get pulled yeah. back in. And yeah, you know, and I mean, which is pretty awesome. I mean, that's pretty good friends. You know, and then when we, you know, and like I said, when I moved to Oregon, you know, when I moved back, you know, then, I don't know, I drank. I didn't, I don't ever remember being drunk maybe once or twice. I drank to excess when I moved back to Oregon. Um, I think maybe once when I was working in the restaurant, getting it done Denny and I went down to the Cedars and might have tied one on a little bit that night but but other than that you know I didn't I mean for some reason I just um but I mean that's so I pretty much tapered back and quit and and uh and you think that's because you had something like there were was it because we were around yeah yeah there was no doubt about it you know I mean I didn't want somebody to see me drunk again you know drinking again it was a like it was okay where nobody knew me. Right. But I mean to to have what happened the first time, you know, with the car wreck and you and Heather in with me and the whole thing, yeah, I didn't want it to be yeah, so yeah, and I mean there'd be a six pack of beer in the cafe or something like I said, or in the cooler when we were working on it, you know, but I, like I said, I didn't Yeah, there was, you know, Guardian Angel or whatever, there's my something that just said, you know, you you know, you can't do it, so and then, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I was ready, I was done. I mean, I was ready to, you know, but it wasn't easy, you know. Because I don't ever, I don't ever, rem- I can't ever remember seeing you have a drink. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I mean, that's, that was a long time ago, you know, looking back at it now. So, you do, you do the coal strip job. That sort of stuff. Was there a? Did you just want to get out of doing the demo stuff, or how did the how did the restaurant thing come about? Well, years. I mean, oh, Dar and June, who owned 
the place there across the highway, you know, the they Dar thought I should have bought it a long time before that. You know, when they were trying to sell it and I thought, What the hell no? And then when everything went down up there I just you know, and then I left. And then I came back and they were closed and I mean, coming back and started thinking, man, that this really sucks. That was the only thing there. I just got to thinking, you know what? I've spent the last couple of years basically eating in restaurants and, and you know, there's got to be money in it. And the idea of, of going home and, and building a restaurant for people, local people and the tourists. I mean, it's the second busiest, one of the you know top busiest highways in the state. Um, yeah, I just thought that's a great idea. And so that's what I did. Went back and made the deal to build the Sawtooth Cafe. And Janelle wasn't here then yet, right? No, but she had come out. She knew. I mean, she knew that I had this dream. She knew that I had this vision of of what I was going to do. Right, because I'm just... Because I'm trying to remember... Did they move out? They moved right. Did they move out right before school started? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Janelle came out in the summer. You were gone. I was you gone were where? camp or doing something when they came out. Heather was around, but when Jeremy and Heather come out, is that when Mom sent me to that stupid church camp over on the coast? I bet that's yeah, when that was. Probably. I don't know. It's a lot of fun for me. Would you like to talk about it? No, no. I wouldn't like to talk about it. Seems like you it just, some... No, I mean, How it you was... How really feel? It was one of those things where she... I thought you liked it. Sent me to a camp. I didn't know anybody. Like, it's, it's I thought one... the Hansons went with you. I thought it was a church camp from... No? Um, Wasn't it Upward Bound or something like that? Oh, no, 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 no. That... Yeah, that's right. Because that was... Was, was that when I went to... No, you're thinking of when I went to Canada, when I did the youth. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was after you guys were already married and stuff, because that was when I was in. I was like a ju- I was. That was the summer between my sophomore and junior oh. year that I did that. This mom sent me to a. Uh, some camp over by, seaside. Oh, okay. One year. She could probably. I, mom, tell me what camp you sent me to, because I know you're <laughs> one of the 25 people that are going to listen to this. I remember helping do some stuff at the cafe. I remember working really hard. I scrubbed that one beam real hard for a while. Yeah. Because there was always that nice spot where I wire brushed right. it for an hour. Right. I was like, yeah, that's never really going to get clean. And I'm not doing that on all these other beams. <laughs> so you just, you had had this dream and, and you were just going to make it happen. And Yeah. I was just going to, just going to do it. I mean, I thought one is the community needed it. Two is, I mean, business-wise, it was. I mean, it third busy, one of the top three busiest highways in the state. I know that Heather and Mom and I were the first paying customers. Yes, and because we made Mom drive us up there, so we'd be there right when it opened. I don't think she was super excited about that, but hey, it was cool. I um, remember what. Sit right up front, right by the front window. That's right. Yeah. See, I remember. What was, what were those first, what was it like to watch your vision come together as you, you know, kind of, because you kind of had to change a lot of stuff around, right? Because of, it, it had sat closed for a bit, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And all the equipment, everything was out of it. So everything, you know, we did. 
Yeah, I mean, we put put a lot of work into it. A lot of hours, a lot of, you know, a lot of cleaning. You know, and then putting in the the grill, I mean, the whole the whole the whole gamut. And um Yeah, it was fun. You know, I enjoyed that. I mean, you know, I had a guy working with me, Denny. I mean, he loved to do the woodwork and I mean, we just, you know, we needed something. We just we just did it. We just got it done, but there was a lot of a lot of 10, 15, 16 hour days and but Janelle had come out um you know a couple times one is she come out um before I really started working on it and we looked at it I mean she she was a part of it from day one I mean as far as you know this is what this is what you know I'm gonna do and we're gonna you know I mean so she you know she knew that if she moved out here that's what we would be you know be doing right and so I mean like she helped very much I mean it would have probably not got off the ground if it wouldn't have been without her i mean we picked out colors we you know did a lot of stuff so i mean it you know there was yeah she was very influential on on a lot of things even though you know then when she went back and then you know she came out you know we'd only been open a couple weeks when her and jeremy came out yeah i don't i don't ever i don't think i was there for that you know i don't remember no, I don't think you were either. I know Heather was. And then and then they were out for a couple weeks, a week of 10 days I think they were out for and then they left and then then they came back when they moved out. Right. Yeah. And you were there for that. I remember I I remember that one. Yeah. Cuz I remember being being there when the U-Haul showed up yep. and Yeah. And uh cuz that, that was I'm pretty sure that was the first time I met any of you had met Janelle when she was out. Um, she flew in because we went and saw you were up in Portland at some eighth grade deal or something. Because like you and Kevin Ramirez had been ice skating or roller skating or something. That's, we went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah that's we when were Janelle there for. Came out, come out for a conference and we spent pretty much a week together. And like I said, we, you know, she went up and saw where it was going to be and we talked about it. And that was a huge move for her. I mean, to move three little kids, you know, cross country to Oregon right. from Montana. And like she had a business or something that she sold too, right? Yeah, she owned the cable company. Should have kept that. Most likely, probably, <laughs> definitely should have. If that ESPN book had been out back then, you <laughs> definitely should have known to keep it. But unfortunately, that book didn't get written until 20 years later. Um. So what was the... What was the planning of the? Did you come up with all your menu stuff by yourself? What did you? How did you do that? Well, I mean, that's just from eating in restaurants for like a. You just kind of cherry picked off the stuff yeah, that you liked yeah. and the stuff that you thought other people would want to buy. Yeah. And well, yeah, I mean, I knew what we wanted to have, and Janelle and I sat down and went over menus and. Dun, da, da, da. And so the last thing I figured on doing was cooking. I mean, we had you know, just gonna. I mean, I had no desire to be a cook. Right. I mean, I thought, you know, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, I could do burgers and I could do stuff like that. You had someone that, well, because you hired Chuck right away and. Chuck and Jeannie. Yep. Yep. Because you were actually, because you were actually trying to promote what you, what you believed in. It was not only were you opening it for the community to service the community, but also to. Right. Kind of like grandma did, like having a couple people that worked for you and giving them a an opportunity to make a living and right. you know 
be a part of yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, the, my business model, my business plan never, never worked, you know. And I have my theories, and that's okay. Like just because you weren't getting support, did do some of those reasons have to be because one of the people that was part of the team, the the other half of your business management, um, was a person of color? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Between you know, I mean, there was definitely people that I thought were my friends that immediately shifted. Um. Oh yeah. And I mean, and I started to see things a whole lot differently. And then when the timber industry, yeah, I mean, it it was, it, it, it hurt, you know, and that's okay. Cause it's, but I mean, it cost us a lot of money, you know, it cost us a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy. Um, but those things, those, those things happen, but yeah, Native American, you know, Janelle, I mean, and then there were some people that were just awesome. I mean, there were some people that I thought would be like, Oh, you know, roughnecks in the community. I mean, they just grasped and, and they loved Janelle to death. I mean, they would do, they would have done anything for her, you know, but then there was others that didn't know her that really enjoyed making shit up. Excuse the language, but Oh, sure. This is a free forum conversation. <laughs> You're allowed to swear. You know, so I mean, that's that's. Have you not the, have you not heard the first ones? I'm, oh yeah. I'm a frequent yeah. user yeah. of the f bomb. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and it's you know, I mean, ignorance is is quite the. What was it like to integrate the family dynamic together to bring? You know, I think if we would have been on a deserted island. And it would have just been us. I think it would have been okay. I think it could have could have worked better. I think it worked well. Um, it just worked. It it took a lot of work. So yeah, I mean to to open up a business and a restaurant is one of the toughest businesses ever to open up. Did you did you did you underestimate the amount of work that it was going to be once you got it open? Oh yeah. I mean, I knew it was, but I mean, I was used to hard work. You know, but the hard work, the combining of the families, the hours, the 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 crap that went down, the the divorce, the all of everything. I mean, it all has it all played a big part into you know what the hell am I working for? Why am I even trying to do this? I mean, and then get up in the morning and put on a happy face and go down there and. And then you got people that are driving from miles. You got people calling from Portland to make reservations, you know, and then you got people that live down the street that are bad mouthing you, you know? So, I mean, it's, but that happens everywhere, you know? So, um, then, um, but the combining of the families, I mean, it was difficult. I mean, you guys, I mean, for one thing, you know, like just normal dating, I mean, Janelle and I, you know, in Montana, you know, we're talking, oh, well, how many kids do you have? Oh, I got three. Oh, cool. How many you got? Well, I got two. Oh yeah. Boy and a girl. Oh, how old? Oh, really? Oh, when's their birthday? Uh, August 11th. Really? Yeah. What year? 1980. Wow. My son, Jeremy was born August 3rd, 1980. Really? Wow. And then your second child, November, November what? I mean, three days, two days apart. I mean, it's, oh yeah. And then, um, you know, your mom had that tubal, and that would have been about the time, and in the in the same time frame, about when Danica was in that area of years and stuff that she ended up. Your mom had to have major surgery, and 
you know, I mean, so there wasn't any, but she had a couple of tubal um, pregnancies or tubal um, ovarian cysts, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Maybe if your mom and I would have had a third one, it would have been around Danica's age or something. You know, Danica is born in June, the sign of a twin, so. That's crazy. So it was, you know, but yeah, combining two families, um, you know, I mean, Janelle's first husband, Tracy, was not very supportive of Janelle moving clear across country with three kids, especially going to some hick logging town because when he was little, he got moved to some small logging hick town in Washington and and where he went through the whole Native American thing. The schools and stuff that the kids were used to in Coal Strip versus the schools in, in Mill City, which, I mean, I thought they were pretty good. Um, I mean, it was tough. I mean, it was it was tough. And you, you being, you know, having one classifications of friends versus, you know, and you being there your, pretty much your whole life, knew all those kids, and Jeremy not knowing and running in a different circle. You know, there was a lot of pressure on you and Jeremy to be, you know, best friends as well as half-brothers. And um, you had different ideas of, you know, what life was going to look at. Right. And then Heather, she wanted to, you know, be Heather. And Heather just thought it was the greatest. Well, thing Heather ever. did. I mean, she thought it was the the neatest thing ever. And I thought it was great for a while. Yeah. And Jer- the the problem is Jeremy and I are we we really couldn't be more opposite in terms of our interests right. and those sort of things. And he, I I think I was pissed off about. I was still pissed off about my parents not being together. Right. But I I dealt with that in other ways and Jeremy was much more vocal about his displeasure of where they were after a while and and he had I mean he had this a, a similar thing like with what Craig had. I mean it was you know when he moved you know except Jeremy didn't have somewhere to jump into where he fit in with someone right and especially living i think i think it could have been different also even if we had lived in mill city um just because there would have been more people right to to be around right i mean there's no book on it right and you know i mean we did like i said we did the yeah and i mean we didn't we didn't plan on we didn't plan on everything that was going to happen Right. I mean, if I would have known when I opened a place that somebody was going to throw a boulder the size of, you know, 10 inches in diameter through the front window and have, you know, slurs on it about, you know, being the environmentalist, tree huggers and, um, you know, all the other stuff that went went on, you know, then, you know, I, I might probably not have opened it up. Or I don't know about this. Oh, yeah, that's old school. I'm sure you did. Well, I think I think I remember the window being broken, yeah. but I don't think I think you probably just didn't bother to. Well, I mean, it was feel. pretty. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it wasn't very pretty. Somebody after we did the, um, we went down because of the the food we served. They asked us. They were having that big rally in Detroit. Right, come right, down right. to to serve it. So we made veggie burgers and veggie sandwiches and stuff like that, and we're down there selling them. Plus, they also asked me to speak. Um, they asked me to speak from the viewpoint of somebody that had been in the timber industry and just how fast they can say, you're done, you're fired, you know, sorry. We're, and 
So that's, you know, where my come from was. Um, because I remember laying off, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 90 people in Corvallis. I mean, at, at, with WTD Industries, I mean, you know, 300 and some people over, you know, hit that community in a very short period of time just because, you know, the lumber market, you know, jobs are gone, you know, it, it sucked. And that's when you love an industry and you see what's going on. Um, and then to look at it, you know, the forest in a way with Janelle that I'd never looked at it before. Um, to stand clear up on, you know, up upon Coffin Mountain to look and as far as you can see, you know, man has been, you know, and you realize how small you are on this planet. And she, you know, I looked at it differently until then. And it was pretty awesome and pretty powerful. And I'm grateful for her insight on like, wow, okay. Um, but that wasn't my, you know, I wasn't taking a side down there at that rally. You know, I was just saying, you know, and it is, it's, it's the corporate wheel. It's, you know, the whole fear, the spotted owl, the spotted owl wasn't the issue. The issue was anti-government, if you want my opinion. It's anti-government. It was because we had a president that made it public knowledge that where he was getting the money to beef up the military was through the the, the um, timber revenue from the state of Oregon, California, and Washington. Because we were been, exporting, that would have been Reagan. We were exporting a lot of that stuff. To, yeah, but you out see, you country. couldn't you couldn't export. See, this is what's so bad is you cannot export federal timber. Can't export. It's against law. Cannot export. You have to manufacture it. You have to do something to it in order to put it on a ship to send it to Japan. But you can private land, private timber. So you had private timber owners, which are also some of the biggest corporations, selling their private land to Japan, exporting it, and then they're buying federal timber and um, bidding it clear up to where companies like, you know, my dad, you know, Young & Morgan, who was even a big company, um, and these other small companies couldn't compete. I mean, they were risking everything they had. I mean, if I've got a car in the driveway and I got it for sale for 500 bucks, and you're coming to look at it and my neighbor decides he'll give me 800 for it, who am I going to sell it to? Sell it to him for 800 and tell you I'm sorry. Well, that's what was going on in the timber industry. I mean, it was a crapshoot. It was literally, you know, with people's lives. And, and I mean, and that's what happened. That's what brought it down. You can't do that. You can't keep paying that much for a prod, for timber and you don't know what you're going to get out of it, you know, three, four, five years down the road. And it was sad. And I worked for WTD Industries who try, I mean, in our mills, we didn't talk, we talked about the spotted owl. We talked about the environmental issues. We bought private timber. We, did, we didn't run on federal timber. But I mean, he, he was a very smart man. He said, this isn't about the spotted owl. And we're not going to show up at these rallies because the media is going to take a picture of somebody and make fun of you. They're going to make fun of the timber industry people. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, I had people come up to me in Corvallis. I mean, say, oh, where do you work? And I said, I'm a production manager for WT. Oh, God, that's too bad. I mean, like it was a bad thing to work in a sawmill. No. It was like, a good thing. where the hell do you think all this shit that comes from to build your house came exactly. from? You just or, think that you your know, house was built with magic? Right. 
you know, and I mean it, you know, paper products. I mean, everything come out of the timber industry at that time. Now, of course, I mean, we can make it from hemp and I mean, there's a lot of ways of doing things, but I mean, it was a huge industry. And my point at that rally that day was, was to step out of that fear that this can happen overnight. You know, that you guys that are out there, I mean, because there was a lot of them being really radical. And what the what the people, the environmentalists were trying to say was, do you realize that there's only one, you know, 3% of the old growth forest left? And it affects Salem's water, I mean, the watershed for the state of Oregon. I mean, that's what they were trying to say. And the fear factor of all the people that were working in the mills is these guys that were sitting in trees that were trying to say, you know, whatever their viewpoint was, nobody wanted to hear. But the bottom line was fear. And, you know, you're going to lose your job. And what happened? It wasn't the spotted owl that shut the mills down. It was, the I, you know, I mean, this is just all my opinion. Um... But anyway, it did affect, after that, um, somebody decided to throw a a rock through the window and then um, we were boycotted. I mean, there was a logging company up there and a lumber company up there that pretty much told their trucks not to stop there. And I knew about it and I talked to the owner about it. But I mean, that's, that's what happened. And I'm, you know, and that's, I guess that's okay. Yeah. You know, um. Well, and, and I mean, and it's just like anything else. I mean, the story gets told from, you know, it's just like, you know, with your sister, you know, when you're ready to listen, we'll talk. Right. Um, when I'm ready to listen, you know, you guys talk. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it is, it's painful. It, it's, it's hard. I mean, my wife, you know, Janelle, you know, put a lot of money, you know, we put a lot of work and a lot of money into the, into the, into the restaurant, into the store and for it to. You know, it's, it's easy to say it's all water under the bridge. You know, we prayed, you know, Janelle said, you know, we need to pray for a balance, you know, so we made a commitment to each other. We'd pray for seven days for a balance in our life because it wasn't working because, you know, the kids, the, you know, I mean, you, you guys weren't the only ones playing in the middle, you know, Jeremy, Lauren, and Annika. I mean, the other kids, you know, they were you know, back and forth to Montana. And I mean, it was, you know, we didn't know which way we were going and we remodeled and. You know, things were good, and it was right after the remodel that everything went, you know, went down. And then to have the police and everything, you know, not do anything, it was, you know, no big deal, you know. So, yeah, and, 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 it, and it was hard for me to realize that this is where I grew up. You know, this is, this is where I grew up. You know, so everything kind of, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, we prayed for balance, you know. And, uh, that's, and when, that's when we found out we were going to have Natalie. <laughs> We talk about balance, and I think that's going to be a good place to to wrap it up for now. Obviously, there's a lot more to talk about, and we could we could talk about a lot of stuff going in the back, and and uh, you know going back from this point in in our in your history. Um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about going forward. Um, I think it's a given at the time of night that we're recording this. It's kind of a disservice to to kind of gloss over what happens over the next. 10 or 15 <laughs> years in the story. So that's going to have to be something that we'll, we'll do at a later time. Um, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sitting down and us getting to have this conversation. Cause 
mean, the only way that you get to keep your family's history is to talk about it and, and to know about it. And I like learning stuff that I didn't know and stuff that I didn't miss out because I wasn't paying attention or I was too young to realize what was happening or stuff that I just didn't need to know because I was a kid. So. Right. Well, I mean, that's like, you know, my dad. I mean, my dad's 87 years old and all my brothers, you know, we've tried to get him to, you know, to write stuff down, write a book, write it down, get it down. Because when he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got a ton of questions. I mean, like, you know, here I am in Oklahoma, and I don't, you know, my mom was born here, and, you know, I should have probably, you know, found out a little bit more of the history and stuff Why, you know, going going back through time. But, no, this is this is fun, and, and um, you know, life is good. And, and anybody listening to this, I don't want them to think, you know, this is a sad story. This is all a, you know, um, as Dustin, I'm sure, will, I would hope could relay messages for for me in my life that that things that have happened in my life have all been lessons that have led me to where I'm at today. And um, I've got 20 years of sobriety and I've got a beautiful wife and I've got beautiful kids and um, I'm very proud of Dustin here to do what this is. This is what he wants to do. And people have said, you know, do it. And he's doing it. And um, as we get older, we're f- seems like we're further apart. But with the technology that I complained about earlier, it's it's all good, and we can do things like this. And we'll figure out a way for I guess to to get more of this story. But well, yeah, I mean this this means you have to come back for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, what we should do? Maybe what I need to do is load up. We'll load up the studio equipment and we'll go to Arizona. We'll make Grandpa sit in front of one of these microphones for a couple hours. Yeah, that would be that could be interesting. You know, he's. We'll we'll probably have to do it in a way that he doesn't realize that he's talking into a microphone. So that so that he'll just talk. Hey, Grandpa, just tell me some stories here. Yeah, don't well, don't mind that this microphone's in front of your face. I just think talk. If we could do it in two days because it's. You know, I talk to him not near enough. But when I do, you know, for a while when I was living in Arizona, when Janelle and I were down there, I'd call him every day because I was really concerned about him. And I kind of got scolded by, you know, well, you need to call him. So I'd call him every day. And finally, after about two weeks, he says, you know, you don't have to call me every day. This is a little ridiculous. You know, for one thing is, you know, we don't have nothing to talk about. And talk about telling stories. I always know it's good because he always says, well, I know I've already told you this but I'm going to tell you it to you again. And there's a ton of those. And, and I miss that, you know, cause it's, um, yeah, he's 87 and that's pretty, it's Well, he's going to be 87. I should shorten that up cause I'm going to be 57. So yeah, there's 30 years between us. Maybe we need to see if we can make that work. Yeah, that would be fun. You know, cause great. He does. I mean, he knows, he knows so much of the Jones history and the DeVore history. I mean, of my mom's side and his side, you know, different family members. Nick, my oldest brother, he's doing a pretty good job. And I think Nick does a pretty good job of writing stuff down where I... Um, and Nick has taken some of the same trips that we took. I mean, Nick's went back to Nova Scotia and met family. And... and um, but that's another thing of being born so late in the family. I mean, I'm most of my, all my cousins on my dad's side are a lot older. But now, so their kids, the second cousins are, are 
even older and a few of them are younger than me. So, I mean, it's like my dad only had one sister. Um, so, I mean, her kids. And then my mom had, you know, had the two brothers. So, I mean, it's not like we have a big family. Well, I just, I can't thank you enough for, for coming in and, and, uh, sitting down with me and, and talking and, and, uh, yeah, it's not, it's certainly, it, it seems like a lot of life events that when we talk about the, the events that seem to shape us come from sad things happening, but it's certainly not all sad stuff that has happened. But the, a lot of times those are the, the, the real powerful events that shape us. And, um, and it's, it's, it's good to talk about those. And there's, you know, obviously there's more of those that, that come down the line, but it is, uh, there is a lot of happiness and there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, I'm just so proud of you for the dad that you are for me and, um, you know, that you do have 20 years of sobriety and that's, that's, that's something to be pretty proud of. Cause that's, it's especially if as easy it is to, you know, it ain't hard to go to a liquor store. Oh no. So mm-hmm. it, uh, I'm just, I'm real proud of you. And especially with all the stuff that's gone on. I mean, it's, it takes a strong person to not, to not give into that. And I know how hard that, that has to be. And, and, um, I just love you a lot. And, um, can't tell you how happy I am that you're actually sitting in here <laughs> and uh I can't believe I made it four hours before I started to cry and uh <laughs> but uh well you had we'll me do, crying within an hour so well I, pretty I, good. Know. I mean yeah. but uh we're gonna wrap it up and I hope that uh, everyone has enjoyed the show um you can find my dad on Facebook if you don't know him if you want to talk to him you know give him some love um brian jones is on facebook you can look him up he's the handsome dashing debonair guy what what's your picture right now on facebook you know i don't know you don't even know you have to switch it to the double rainbows from the house that, that is a beautiful posted. picture it's a great that picture. is an awesome picture i hope she goes and buys a lottery ticket yeah i hope so too and can I have a little bit just a little bit <laughs> um but uh i just thank you and um Thank you for everything that you've done for me. I'm I'm not always the best at being appreciative, but uh you uh, uh you you mean I mean a whole hell of a lot to me. And um I I really look up to you and um a lot of people put sports heroes and musicians and and those kind of people up on the pedestal as their heroes, but um but uh, you're my hero, and I love you, and um, thanks for doing this. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Always protect the five-hole. It's just me against the world.